Welcome to the Making Artists podcast, where artists learn how to stop starving, struggling, and aspiring, and instead, start making. You don't need a fine arts degree, a trust fund, or a more supportive family to be a successful artist. You just need to let your creativity lead you all the way to the top. I am fellow artist and professional certified coach, Nancy Sun, and I teach artists just like you how to make art, money, and an impact without giving up or burning out. Listen to learn how. Hey artists, welcome to the second episode of the second season, and it's also the second episode about Taylor Swift. So yes, for those of you who haven't listened yet to the previous episode, I have already talked for a full hour about Taylor Swift. You can scroll back in the archives of wherever you were listening to this episode or see the link in the show notes for Taylor Swift from Blank Space to Mastermind Part 1. And when you listen to that episode, you'll hear I had a hunch that what ended up being an hour-long episode would still end up not being enough to cover all of Taylor Swift's art and business of art lessons. So for those of you who were not already Swifties before that podcast, I have just one question. Have I converted you yet? And for those of you who have already been converted to Swiftydom for this second episode, I'm going to ask... Are you ready for it? Okay, that was me attempting an Easter egg. Hashtag, if you know, you know. After I made the first episode, I actually joked that I felt like I was a living version of that smoking Charlie Day Pepe Sylvia meme from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'll link the visual to you. And to continue on that meme, you're currently listening to a sequel and continuation of what Taylor Swift offers us as fellow humans, creatives, and artists here on the Making Artists podcast. Before we continue, I just want to acknowledge that if you notice that I have a different vocal quality, which some might call raspy or nasally, I am recovering from a cold. So I just want to thank you in advance for your grace around what's gracing your ears and just hope that you understand that this felt so urgent, important, and exciting that I just wanted to get it to you as quickly as possible. And also because as the mom of a toddler who goes to daycare, I cannot guarantee that I will not have another cold next week and that I will not still have a raspy, nasally voice the next time I record a podcast. So with that in mind, I am just taking one of the lessons from my previous episode and from Taylor Swift to use the resources I have, including my still functioning voice today to give you this sequel of lessons and gems. 
So this episode, part two of From Blank Space to Mastermind, is an especially important listen for artists, creatives, influencers, digital creators who are ready to retire from their current side hustles and who want to create full time as their profession or their career. You know, as I was continuing to research for this episode, I heard the phrase possibility model instead of, for instance, a role model. And I realized that's how I want you to consider applying Taylor Swift here. Because a possibility model is a model that inspires you, gives you space to find your own path, your own possibilities, and models a new possible way of living and of being a human, rather than just asking you to copy paste their ambitions, achievements, and results. Because so many creatives listening might not exactly aspire to be a billionaire, singer, songwriter, director, multi-hyphenate. And that's okay. In fact, it's great. We need as many possibility models as possible, including you. I want you to be one of them so that I can make a podcast episode or episodes about you one day. So as I mentioned in the previous episode and in the Steps to Creative Success episode, both available in the show notes, I have observed there are three simple steps to making a living as an artist. You need to, step one, make art, step two, share your art, and then step three, ask for what your art needs. In part one, I focused the majority of the lessons on what Taylor Swift has taught us about making art, step one, including how to manage the human feelings that arise as being an artist, the actual creative process of making art, and what you should think about your current resources to do so. So in this episode, I'm going to be focusing the lessons on step two, sharing your art, and step three, asking others for what your art needs. Mainly, this episode will be championing a case that you have to do both of these steps in order to succeed and using Taylor Swift as a person who has done both of these steps, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until at this point she's printing money. So many of the artists who come to me for coaching only do step one. They only listen to and integrate the first podcast and then they wonder how come they aren't getting discovered, represented, they aren't getting auditions, options, overall deals, book auctions, like the artists they envy or like my paying clients. And they want to hire me for this tough love observation. You are a tree falling in a forest with no one there to hear it right now, honey. And that is the opposite of Taylor Swift who some might argue that between the dating gossip, her pap walks, and the Eras tour is becoming a little overexposed right now. But as a coach and a fellow artist, I think that's okay because she is overexposed while doing step three, asking for what her art needs. And that means she is able to monetize this current season of exposure or 
overexposure, make an incredible abundant living from it, which also will enable her to keep making more of the art Swifties love and possibly on a bigger, better, different and more accessible scale than she could have before and which we might currently not even be able to imagine. So that's just a little preview on where this episode is heading, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just jump into step two, share your art. Share your art ideally with as many people as possible as often as possible, and that might even mean sharing your art indiscriminately. Now, sharing your art can include sharing your skill and craft as an artist. There are so many clients I support who have businesses where they are selling their service as a creative, for instance. It can also include sharing your identity as an artist. That means when you are gathering around the dinner table for this holiday season. Not being afraid to tell people, family members included, that you are an artist. Even when you go out on a date to a party where you know no one and they ask you what you do, to identify as an artist. And this can also include sharing your dreams and artistic ambitions. Now, ultimately, I want you to share your art because you don't know who the audience for your art is. You don't know who your art will help, and you don't know how sharing it can help your art or you as the artist. Now, a lot of artists have resistance to doing this step, so If you are feeling that same tension, know that you are not alone. A lot of artists who have human brains resist this because it opens you up, your art up, your dreams up to other people's thoughts, feelings, judgments, and opinions. And brains usually have a negativity bias and can only think of the bad things, the bad consequences, the catastrophes that can occur from talking to other people. And when you see someone as successful as Taylor is right now, you might forget it did not come naturally and it took a lot of and still takes a lot of sharing her art. In fact, lesson one simply is share your art. No one gets to pass go and just collect $200. No one gets to share their art without other people's thoughts, feelings, judgments, and unsolicited feedback. No one only gets compliments, yeses, and add to cart when they share. You are not alone with this resistance, and you should still share your art anyway. Starting out, Sharing her dream of becoming a country singer made her weird and unpopular with her peers. This is what her former middle school and high school classmates and friends of a friends have disclosed if you see their shares on public forums like Reddit. When she shared this dream with 
record label executives and gatekeepers. She got the feedback that country radios has an audience of middle-aged men and their wives. And so they told her that there was no market for a teenage singer and no teenage girls were interested in country radio. This is a myth that ultimately she would debunk and country radio would benefit from her expanding their market to include a newer, younger, and female demographic. Then, even when she got signed, and even when her first album was released, she still put in the sweat equity to share her art. She recalls sitting on the floor of her record label office with her mom and literally being the person putting her album into envelopes and mailing them to country radio stations to promote her work. Then, on top of doing the normal press, radio, publicity tours that she has always done for each album, she also shared her art in unique, interesting, and true to her ways, like the 1989 Secret Sessions, where she invited fans into her home to listen to the album with her for the first time. Taylor Swift has not been above sharing her art, and she has not been immune to receiving negative judgments, opinions, feedback, and backlash. In interviews, she has shared her thoughts on this aspect of being an artist, which at her level, we can just simply call fame. She has said, especially while mentoring other artists up and coming and perhaps experiencing their first time media backlash, she has said, this is part of the job. This is part of it. And this is normal. Artists, sharing your art is part of the job. If you want your art to be your job, sharing your art is part of the job. Now, I know the resistance you must be experiencing firsthand because a lot of clients work with me on this exact problem. They have mind drama around sharing their art finding the people to share their art with, finding the opportunities to share their art, and then doing it enough, in enough places, with enough people, sufficient to create fans and advocates. Right now, this is happening in my six-month container with one-on-one clients, but we work on this even in my group coaching programs. Because often, artists don't just need a plan of action handed out to them on how to share their art. They need support to actually do the plan they've already outlined. And I hold them accountable as a coach so that when they get their first ghost, their first no, or their first piece of negative unsolicited advice, usually from a family member, they do not stop. So as a palate cleanser, because I know we've been focusing so much on the negative outcomes and the resilience you need to deal with those from sharing your art, I wanna share a positive story, a client success that I have been able to witness. So in the first round of my group program, the Making Artists Mastermind, I had a client, uh, a voiceover artist, who wanted to go all in full-time on voiceover. 
She was currently working in a toxic corporate environment and it was affecting her emotional well-being. We've all been there. She shared this dream with us and she shared her art with us as her fellow artists. And one of my other artist clients suggested a Facebook group she could join. So she did. And there she practiced step two again. She shared her dream and her voiceover demo reel and caught the eye of an agent who started working with her and sending her auditions. She got another opportunity to share her art. She shared her art with people in decision-making power to hire her when she auditioned. And she did this often enough that she booked her first four-figure voiceover gig, which also had opportunities for more work in the future. This enabled her to quit her corporate gig and do voiceover full-time in just four short months. Thinking about her ahead of this episode, I looked at her website and have been blown away by the clients she has been able to be the voice for. So if that particular voiceover client is listening to me recount and celebrate their success in this podcast right now, I just want to say this is about you, you know who you are, and I love you. And if you aren't her and want support from a fellow artist and professional certified coach like me, reach out. There are so many ways available to get in touch in the show notes, including right now you can book your own consult with me to see if coaching together is a fit for you. This is actually such a great segue into my second lesson of step two, sharing your art, which is let other people share your art. Let other people share your art the way this client has allowed me to share their success story. A lot of people are uncomfortable with the step because it means letting go of control of the narrative. It means surrendering. It means not being able to choose who the art is shared with, how it is shared, and what everyone else is saying about your art without you. Now, there are so many examples of this over the long history of Taylor's very public career, but I'm going to focus on examples happening right now on the Eras Tour. A lot of Swifties have had the privilege of attending her concerts in person and have been posting clips of her performances online. And even though they are fans, one could say that some of their clips don't always show her in her best light. There are clips of her forgetting lines to her own songs, which we forgive you, Taylor, you have so many freaking songs. We see clips of her wearing her costume wrong, getting tripped up by her dancers, and my personal favorite is clips of her swallowing a bug. And if she didn't let the media or her fans share her art for her right now, I would argue that her current income streams, her tour, her tour film, and the Taylor's version re-recordings of each of her albums wouldn't be as successful or making as much coin as they are right now. For this argument, I'm going to get a little inside baseball, but I think you're up for it 
as artists, we are all quote unquote baseball players here. So after the start of her Eras tour, the WGA writer strike began. And then the SAG-AFTRA actor strike began. These two strikes in total have lasted six months, which is the vast majority of her current tour. These strikes have essentially kept Hollywood at a standstill, so much so that California, the state where Hollywood is the predominant industry, has lost at least $6 billion economically. This is important because Hollywood, the industry that is affected by these two strikes, they know the importance of step two, share your art. For the past six months, Hollywood has not been sharing their art. Screenwriters and showrunners have not been promoting the films and TV shows they wrote. Actors, A-listers have not been able to promote what they've been acting in. In fact, there haven't even been afternoon or late night talk shows to do any promotion on here in the States. Hollywood knows how important step two sharing your art is that they pushed back a lot of the release dates for their blockbuster ambitious projects because of the strike. Hollywood would rather wait for the strike to be over so that actors and writers can share their art because they know letting them do so means more ticket sales and more money. So how does this relate to Taylor Swift making bank? Well, for six months in the US, there was no entertainment content for media and people to talk about. And in that void, the Taylor Swift fans at the grassroots level swooped in to fill the social media void by talking among themselves about Taylor Swift and her tour. When she lets her fans talk about the songs and the performances with each other and with non-Swifties, she has been able to sell concert tickets, sell movie tickets, sell her two re-released albums, and gotten more people to stream her songs. In fact, letting her arts share her art for her is what allowed Cruel Summer, a song from her 2019 Lover album that was not even released as a single, to move up the charts randomly three years later to number one in pop this fall. So lesson two is let other people share your art. And what is lesson three? It's actually a natural extension, a lesson two. It's let your art be misunderstood. The funniest example I have of this from Taylor Swift is the single Blank Space. It's that song where she sings, got a long list of ex-lovers, and people kept confusing it for all the lonely Starbucks lovers. Does anyone remember that? And thank you for humoring me and my off-key singing voice while I have a cold. Well, anyway, this could be happening actually all over again because that particular song was just re-recorded and re-released, so people might be making the same mistake with their hearing. I want to offer that this lyric in Blank Space, being misunderstood, 
didn't affect or maybe even positively affected its popularity. After all, a lot of people drink Starbucks. And in spite of or because of this confusion, Blank Space still spent seven weeks on the Hot 100, went eight times platinum, and got three Grammy nominations. So your art being misunderstood might not actually hurt your art's success. In fact, it might help it. And it could benefit your growth as an artist. Your art being misunderstood gives you the opportunity to think, well, if I don't want my art to be misunderstood in that same way again, how and what can I create differently next time? And you wouldn't have gotten that perspective without the initial misunderstanding. In my own life, I can see that my child or perhaps the development of any child as an example of this. Toddlers are compelled to learn to speak because they are tired and frustrated by being misunderstood. They discover that their body language and their nonverbal cues are not enough to always consistently get them what they want. So they change it up. They switch strategies and tactics and start making the noises that all the other adults make around them that has allowed adults to get what adults want. This is why a lot of artists, while they make their art alone, have studio visits, let other writers read their drafts, they take scene study class, or invite other creatives into the room because sharing it gives you more different data for your art the next time you do step one, make your art. And I guess my last lesson for step two, share your art, is share the art you like less. Because just because it's not your favorite as the artist doesn't mean it won't be someone else's favorite. That it won't still find fans outside of you, the person who created it. Taylor has so many examples of this with her recent re-recorded albums, i.e. all of her Taylor's versions. To create interest in each new re-released album, she has released bonus from the vault songs. So songs that for one reason or another never made it onto the original album. And as a Swifty, I admit, I sometimes think that these From the Vault songs are better bops than what she put on the original album. I'm thinking specifically of her song All Too Well on the album Red. The original publicly released version was about five minutes long and presumably kept the gems, her most favorite verses, from her songwriting process that would have made a continuous, cohesive song. However, in an interview during the promotion of that album, Red, and that song, All Too Well, she disclosed that an earlier draft of this song actually included seven or eight more verses and was as long as 10 minutes. 
And as soon as her fans discovered there was a 10-minute version with even more verses, they decided they wanted to hear that version. Maybe they would like that version even more. And Taylor gave the fans what they wanted. When she re-released Red in 2021, she released a fully produced 10-minute version and it became the longest song to ever reach number one on the Hot 100 and it got a Grammy nomination for Song of the Year. The short film that she made to accompany that song ended up winning an MTV Video Music Award and the Best Music Video Award Grammy. On tour, we frequently see her play surprise songs, songs that are less well-known, less streamed in her oeuvre, and she still gets a stadium of thousands of people to sing along with her these less known, less well-liked songs. So even when you as an artist aren't maybe the audience or the person for your art, don't stop your art from finding its people. I'm reminded of the time where I shot a callback audition in a Gap dressing room. Yes, you heard that correctly. I was in back-to-back auditions that day and I realized that my previous audition would not have given me enough time to go home and take the Skype video call in my home. So the next best solution I had was to take the Skype video call in a Gap dressing room because dressing rooms are well lit. And for the entire audition, I had to hold my phone out in front of me like a selfie as opposed to have it set up and my body fully free. I did the entire callback audition this way. And to be frank, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was my best work. I would not have been surprised if they decided not to hire me. But spoiler alert, they did. This became my first out-of-town shoot for a sag after short film by a director that I really wanted to work with because I had seen and heard of their independent films on the film festival circuit. And even though this was not my favorite audition and my favorite way of showing my acting skills, it still was their favorite audition. I still was their favorite actor of all the initial auditions they saw and of all the people they called back. And in fact, when I was on set, the director asked me what the deal was with my callback and we had a laugh when I explained my scheduling conflict and how I had to be entrepreneurial and take the call in a dressing room. So share your art, let other people share your art Let your art be misunderstood and even share your less liked art so it can find the people that love it. And now let's discuss the lessons in step three to becoming a creative success. Step three, ask for what your art needs. 
Yes. Step three, the last step is ask others for what your art needs. And much like the first lesson in step two, maybe the lesson here is you actually have to do this step. Again, this is a step you cannot bypass on your way to making money and making an impact as an artist. And I want to normalize that this step can seem very hard, maybe because of the people you are asking to fulfill your art's needs. Taylor Swift has often talked about her inferiority complex when reaching out to other artists in her industry as collaborators. When she was making the transition between musical genres and playing with pop, or from pop playing with genres and moving to indie rock and folk, she had to reach out to or chose to reach out to people who are masters of that genre she did not have experience in and invited them to be her collaborators. Now, we as her fans with 2020 hindsight might think, hello, Obvi, they wanted to collaborate with you because you're an amazing songwriter and who wouldn't want the opportunity to make a boatload of money by creating a hit single with you. But that is not the way that Taylor sees herself necessarily. She tells a story in Folklore, The Long Pond Sessions, of asking Bon Iver to collaborate with her on Exile. And what I mean by asking Bon Iver to collaborate with her on Exile, I actually mean allowing her collaborators, Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff, to be the people who did the asking for her. But she didn't stop them from asking because it was ideally the person she wanted to be on that song with. But the entire time that they were collaborating on that song, co-singing, co-writing it, she shared that she thought this isn't really going to happen, he's going to change his mind about this, this is not part of my reality, there's no way, this is not going to happen, he's going to record the vocals and then change his mind. And he didn't. I offer these examples to you because maybe you like Taylor are very hard on yourself and don't give yourself permission to ask others for what your art needs. And maybe you, like Taylor, are fucking awesome at your art and others would absolutely leap at the chance to collaborate with you. I have a writing client who had the dream of getting published by what she regarded as a premier print publication, writing in the genre that she wanted to write in, which included travel and personal essay. But she hadn't previously been drafting stories in that vein or pitching stories in that vein to editors at those publications. So we worked on calming the mind drama, believing in herself enough, sufficient to actually pitching these super yummy, delicious, compelling, and interesting stories that have been floating around in her brain. And the result was, in the time that we worked together, she not only published one, but two 
of the pieces in two different premier print publications. And one of the stories was so compelling that Hollywood came calling with not one, but two options on the story rights. And this was a natural outcome out of her asking for what her art needed, which was a platform, an audience. And now it might be on the way to finding an even bigger platform, an even bigger audience, because it might still want to be told. So the lesson here is to do this step. Ask others for what your art needs. And I want to acknowledge that you might not just need a collaborator, an editor. You might want money. What might benefit your art is if other people gave you money for it so that you could focus on cultivating it full time. And the biggest lesson, especially around money, is allow others to give your art what it needs. Allow others to give you as an artist what you need to make your art. This is something that I brought up in the previous episode because Taylor does a really good job of receiving, allowing others to give to her, allowing her family to invest in her. She has plenty of ways for fans to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and invest and purchase paraphernalia, songs, albums, tickets, etc., so they can directly support her as an artist. She does not back away from the money conversation when it comes to her fans. She has very publicly explained why she has re-recorded her albums, and that is because the previous recordings are not financially advantageous to her, especially now that they've been sold to private equity companies. So she has shared with fans, hey, if you wanna support me as an artist and support me making more art directly, I am going to re-record all my earlier albums and I want you to listen, stream, and buy those albums instead. She made the request of her fans and her fans are responding in kind by taking the actions that she has laid out for them. And she's created a lot of ways for you to support her art with your dollars. So as perhaps a more casual Swifty fan, the predominant way that I have been supporting her art beyond talking about her as I am on this podcast has been through streaming her albums on Spotify. But that's not the only way I could financially support her art. Since joining her Taylor Nation listserv, I've noticed that she has released four different color vinyls for her 1989 re-release that I could have bought. I also think I could have bought them all four as a package. She has an online merchandise shop that I keep on getting notifications for whenever there's a new tour merch drop. 
also on our tour. She has exclusive merch that you can only buy at certain dates because those particular pieces are limited edition. I think there are also Target editions of her album, which means if you specifically buy it at Target, it comes with a special bonus song, special voice memos, maybe even a tour poster. She has deals like this everywhere with different vendors to encourage people to buy through that vendor. Or maybe if you're a collector, you can just Pokemon catch them all. And of course, you can watch her tour film. Right now, it's exclusively in movie theaters, but I have a hunch that at some point in 2024, you'll probably be able to stream it, rent it, and also buy it. Taylor Swift makes sure that her fans can support her at whatever price point they want to support her in. And I wanna acknowledge that she does have a team, a system in place in order to offer this many things at this many price points across this many platforms and forms of media. The question for you artist is do you allow your fans to give you any money? Do you actually allow yourself to receive support? So even in the case of finding Bonnie Vare as a collaborator for her song Exile, while she did not do the asking directly to make that collaboration happen, she allowed Aaron to ask on her behalf. Would you do the same? And then would you follow up to actually get the resource your art needs to make the sale? When someone says they want to commission you for something, do you actually talk about the commission, including the dollars and cents to buy the materials and pay the artist that would make that commission happen? Do you let people buy your art? Are there add to cart buttons wherever you share your art? Do you give yourself permission to close the deal make the sale close the sale i support a lot of my clients with the mind drama that can come up around talking about the taboo topic of money i've helped my clients negotiate raises even at their survival job but also in their freelance business so much so for instance that i have one client who tripled their income as a copywriter in the time that we work together. I've supported clients make their first, second, third sale, supported them also raising their prices so that it was actually sustainable for them to be an artist. These are all things that you might want to do or wish to do because you know it would benefit your creative practice. But the challenge is, will you allow yourself to do it? And then will you allow other people to meet that need that you've articulated to them? Because your art is worth it. It is worth supporting, nourishing, cultivating, and giving a full life beyond the confines of your studio, your laptop, your scene study class. So I hoped you enjoyed 
walking through these particular steps and some specific lessons that Taylor Swift possibility models for us so that we can start applying and taking these actions for ourselves. I admit, I look at these lessons myself, I listen to these podcasts myself, and I think, ooh, I could be doing more of that too as an artist. I fully intend to apply these lessons myself. You will probably see me in the next year show up differently in spaces sharing my art practice, sharing my acting, sharing my writing, in addition to sharing my coaching. So if you want to come along for the ride, you can follow me on social media, or if you want direct one-on-one support yourself so that we can inspire each other and hold each other accountable to becoming Taylor Swift level possibility models please get in touch. And until then, keep sharing your art. Keep letting other people share your art. Keep sharing the art you might not even like and allow your art to be misunderstood. Ask others for what your art needs. And that also means allowing others to contribute, allowing yourself to receive the support that they can offer. And until then, keep making your art. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Making Artists podcast. Are you ready to start making your best art, money, and life right now? Good news. You can coach with me to make it all happen. Book your free consult at www.makingartistspodcast.com. That's making artists, plural with an S, dot com. Link available in the show notes. Or just keep in touch via Instagram and TikTok at the Nancy Sun. Or subscribe to my newsletter. Link also available in the show notes. Want to help more artists find this podcast? Subscribe, rate, and review Making Artists wherever you listen to this episode. Or forward this to an art friend you think really needs to hear this. Until next time, keep making your art.